Hey, what's going on, guys? Going to get started in a minute or two. I just shared the link on Twitter. So if you're just stopping in, good morning, good afternoon. Uh, and yeah, we'll get started in about a minute. So I'm just going to go on. Um, I'm just going to mute myself for a minute and I'll be back and then we'll get it started. All right, guys, what's going on? It is uh, just a couple minutes after 12 p.m. <clears throat> Eastern Standard Time. Uh, this is Ryan, also known as Cantor and Clark on Twitter, or now known as Ryan Cantor and Clark. Uh, and this is my call-in room. So I just started this um, last week, and uh, I think it's great. I mean, the benefit of it compared to Twitter spaces is that it's recorded, so it's you know similar to podcast format. There's not much of an agenda, honestly. Um, you know, I, I know that a lot of people follow me are interested in the crypto markets, but I wouldn't say that we're confined to that. I want to keep these somewhat general, somewhat open, um, or at least not uh, give anyone the impression that that we have to just talk about crypto. Obviously, I've been trading now for 15 years, so that's my primary focus. But there's an insane amount of stuff taking place Um on the macro front. So today is obviously going to be with respect to the uh, FOMC meeting. Um, but just as a sort of upfront disclaimer, again, if you want to talk about anything, uh, we can talk about dogs for an hour. Uh, what this, uh, I think the benefit of this is that it allows for those that, um, you know, reach out to me, DM me, watch videos, um, see my posts. Uh, it allows for you guys to have, you know, two hours throughout the week. I think I'll be going on this um, two hours, so maybe three, four episodes uh, to stop in and ask questions, um, you know, shoot it back and forth with me. Uh, so again, not going to be that structured. I'm going to just touch on some points and then pretty much just open up the floor. Just as a reminder, uh, none of this is to be taken as financial advice, right? This is just my opinion. I'm just providing some color through my lenses and that's really it. I don't want you to go ahead and take what you hear in here as though it's gospel because God knows that uh, I change my mind on a dime quite often. And I think that that's one of the reasons why I've been able to survive in markets for as long as I, uh, as long as I have been. Um, so that being said, uh, thank you guys for coming in. Um, you know, to be honest, I, I don't, you know, the market is pricing in, I guess, two to three, three rate hikes uh, in the coming year. Uh, I would really just be interested in how the market interprets Powell's tone 
honestly, from the one to two days after. Uh, I'm going to be trading, obviously scalping in and out where I can, um, if there are any opportunities during and right after. But I think it's really important to let the market sort of digest and disseminate uh, all that's taking place. And what we've seen with the FOMC meetings uh, more recently is that in the two to three days after, let's say there's even a short-term spike, the market tends to drift um, tends to drift and, and move down more than anything else. Uh, so, you know, unless, you know, unless there is, there's a few things that uh, people have mentioned might be worth looking into. And, and one of them is, is quite unique and it's whether or not Powell sort of feels like he can shoot from the hip or whether he is reading, you know, strictly from a script. Uh, and this is obviously going to be, you're going to see this all over Twitter. There's going to be a ton of noise during um, but very quickly, we should see, you know, outside of the half hour after he speaks, we should see what, how the market overall interprets uh, what was said. Again, I don't think, I wouldn't expect any kind of major changes, right? Um, again, the market's kind of, no, it's pricing in rate hikes, right? So the speed at which that comes, right, if there's any kind of definitive uh, date put on that, um, will change, you know, that, that ultimately is a kind of tone or, or, or narrative shift uh, that we'd be wanting to key, key into, right? Uh, with regard to anything quantitative, um, any specific rate hike uh, value or any kind of specific date, uh, those are things that would uh, ultimately, I think, cause sort of a knee-jerk response uh, across markets. Now, again, what we've seen for a long time now is uh, flat rates, right? Um, we've seen though markets move up in the past on increasing rates. I mean, you could go back to, I think it was 2016, um, to 2000 and, uh, you know, 2018, go back to 2004, all the way up to 2008. Um, this obviously time is, is quite different. Uh, the United States is a, uh, a net borrower, the feds a net borrower versus a, um, a lender. And, uh, you know, obviously, with everything taking place, um, global markets-wise, COVID, uh, this is not, you know, the same context as it was in the past, right? The last uh, rate hikes that we've seen. So, again, I am not, by any means, I am not a macro trader. Um, I, I, one thing that I think is, is sort of too prevalent on Twitter and uh, by traders in particular is, like, the need to provide color on everything that takes place within the market, rather than just sort of deferring to people that are smarter in that particular realm. Um, the macro is not my wheelhouse, right? My wheelhouse is what takes place on the lower timeframes. Uh, and that's why, I, you know, I, I think it's really important just to reiterate for myself that however the market interprets this, right? So sort of a wisdom of the crowds, um, that is ultimately the direction that I want to be part of. And it doesn't mean right away, right? Because there's, there's going to be a ton of algo activity. Um, you know, any kind of response that might be off key, you're going to see the market respond to that. But what I'm talking about is, again, I, I think there's a good one to two day window uh, where regardless of, so I think there's a, you know, very slim chance. Let's say, for example, that his tone is dovish. Um, I, and I think the chances of that are very slim. I would probably get very aggressive then, right? If his tone is dovish, I would get very aggressive. Uh, if it's more or less what is expected and there's no change, 
Um, there's no announcement of any kind of specific date, uh, nothing locked in. It's kind of wishy-washy. Um, then I would expect the market to maybe have a, you know, it, it's more or less what has been anticipated. The market to have a somewhat positive muted response initially. And then, like I said, you know, expecting that the one to two days that follow are kind of lackluster and, and nothing really resolves from it. Um, if after that, you know, we're talking about after this uh, on, you know, Monday open, we see markets across the board are, are moving upward. And uh, it looks like we have more of a bid back. Um, then again, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fade that and continue to sort of bang my head against the wall saying, you know, the market is wrong at that point. So ultimately it's about whether or not um, reality meets expectations. And I think more or less most of the market is on the same side with regard to what we expect from this meeting. But what we're looking for is maybe the possibility that uh, Powell will hit us with a curveball. Um, my plan is just to really trade uh, Bitcoin um, during this, if an opportunity pre presents itself. But I think that you have to be really conscious of the fact that if you're trading Bitcoin during the FOMC, that you're ultimately trading maybe a slightly less efficient um, S&P at that point. Uh, because during this meeting and during the last couple of meetings, uh, what we've seen is that any kind of there is a knee, any kind of uh, knee jerk response by the S&P, um, you know, immediately shows up in BTC. Right. Whenever markets are fragile, when we're you know going through a sensitive period, that correlation goes to one and Bitcoin behaves again more like, you know, I think it behaves uh, more honestly. Right. With in more of a way that it actually is, you know, excuse me, I think that, you know, Bitcoin is, for example, I think it is a risk asset, right? That I don't like, uh, I don't want to get too um, uh, caught up in like a, the little sub narratives of it being a store of value and, um, you know, sure, hedge against inflation, market responds that way at certain periods, but you can see that it kind of loses, uh, it, it loses that storybook um, once the ES starts getting battered or, you know, when I say ES, I'm just talking about the uh, S&P. Uh, so during, right, if you're not willing to, I guess the best way to put it is if you're not willing to to muster up and trade the ES, um, and if that's something that you think you would not want to be part of, I, I would say that you should probably just be flat uh, with regards to, to BTC and crypto as a whole, right? One thing um, I think that is worth, uh, I guess, uh, keeping, an eye, keeping an eye on is relative performance, um, between a select few alts and, and Bitcoin. And I, I, I want to stay consistent with what has been the norm for the last 12 months. Um, the last six months, we even say before, you know, things kind of hit the, you know, shit the bed, uh, where out of the gate. So I, I, I will look at uh, a relative performance chart after a very significant move down. So post, you know, um, big drop, 20% drop, you know, when we see a bunch of liquidations come in, that's what I'm sort of looking at this, which is relative performance uh, across DeFi with respect to BTC and ETH included, obviously, as well. And one thing that's kind of been a consistent, um, well, one thing that has been consistent uh, has been who has been sort of fastest out of the gate off the lows. Um, same thing when Bitcoin breaks a very significant level to the upside, even though we haven't had uh, much of that that has had follow through. Uh, more recently, but off of the lows in particular, Solana, um, AVAX, Luna, uh, Loopring, some of the stronger pairs, uh, again, in the last few months, and I'm sure I'm missing a bunch, uh, but 
let's say that, you know, just to paint one of these hypos, let's say that uh, no major changes, right? Um, no new tone or hints at any kind of specific details with regard to rates, right? It's kind of, again, left. I want to say that it's, it's not left up in the air, obviously, um, but uh, no specific announcements on rate, rate hikes. So more or less, again, what is a, from my interpretation, ex- expected by many uh, and priced in. After the, and again, this doesn't, is not set in stone. After we have, let's say, maybe an initial positive response by markets, because ultimately what I think is a markets as a whole, right, going into one, we're going to end of, we're, this is fourth quarter, right? So you're expecting sort of the cyclical, the cyclical behavior that you would normally expect in fourth quarter. Um, but uh, I think you have a lot of people that are selling in anticipation of some kind of unexpected outcome. Uh, and if, if if it's more or less the same and we still have this kind of vanilla response by the Fed, I would expect that you'd see a flee back to riskier assets, not necessarily a flee, but um, we'd see capital rotate back into them when the coast is clear, so to speak. Uh, and then at that point, not only would I be looking at Bitcoin, but I'd be looking at those stronger pairs that, again, have remained consistently strong for the last few months. Um the difficulty right now is is how you're interpreting where we are in the overall crypto cycle, uh, because I do think we are at a stage where we have the crypto market as a whole being more recognized, having you know, greater penetration overall in society and markets. Um, but I do think it's not an even field right now between uh, you know, your, for example, shit coins and Bitcoin and ETH and some of the more um, lasting proven pairs. So I, I let's say that the outcome is positive, right? Let's say we get a, you know, expected outcome. It's not, you know, I, th- I think it would be positive, but uh, or I think we'd see a positive response. The movement that I would expect in Bitcoin and ETH and the stronger pairs or rather that I would look for evidence of, uh, I don't necessarily think that that would translate to the same type of legs um, to expect in alts, let's say outside of the top, and I'm just kind of winging it, top 100 pairs. Um, So what I think is that we are at a different point in the cycle for alts than maybe we are for Bitcoin and ETH, uh, being that Bitcoin is now a lot more globally recognized, and I, I know that this might get kind of tiring, um, but it's the truth, right? Um, we have a futures ETF. We don't have a spot ETF yet. We have a lot more penetration by larger participants, um, sort of household names. We don't have nearly the amount of penetration that traditional assets do, but uh, that really can only be said for a Bitcoin ETH. And, uh, you know, if you go to maybe some more specific hedge funds and VC funds, you know, some of the, obviously, all coins fall under that umbrella too. Um, but, I think that what you what I would expect with uh, ETH and BTC moving forward, and I've said this before, is um, I expect them to trade more in line with macro uh, period. So the best way I could put it is I expect them to trade similar to the way the index does. Uh, And I expect their behavior. um, I I think that their behavior would be, as I've said many times before, similar to uh, tech stock, right? A higher beta tech stock with respect to the index. Uh, and the index right now is, you know, it's being largely held up by just a few pairs. Um, but nevertheless, crypto is a risk asset, in my opinion. Bitcoin's a risk asset, and it's going to behave like a risk asset would 
using the index as proxy. Um, capture more upside, capture more downside, right? Overperform to the upside, underperform to the downside. I think that that would remain consistent. I don't think that we are, um, and just to kind of hush out the narratives, um, or sort of the romantic narratives that exist with Bitcoin and crypto. I don't think we're in a place where, you know, uh, equities take a shit today and suddenly the market is like, everyone get into crypto. I, it's, that's not the case. Let's say like something horrible happens today um, and Powell's like, we're doing an about face starting, you know, March, we're raising rates uh, 100 basis points. Um, I would expect that crypto would absolutely get slaughtered. Right. I, I think it would get it would be the thing that you want to be the least exposed to. Right. Because it is furthest out the risk curve or, or it's the furthest thing out on the risk curve. Um, I do think that we're still in a place where beta bounce is the hardest. Right. So let's say the market has a terrible response. Um, Powell hits us with a left hook unexpectedly. Uh, I think there's a lot of reasons to expect that he wouldn't. But, um, you know, the the yield curve is in similar position to 2008, uh, the slope rather. Uh, and that was the last time that we saw, um, you know, we, if anyone remembers back in 2018, I said 2008, excuse me, 2018, the Fed's reaction then. Uh, and the uh, the slope was at the same level that it currently is. Um, but uh, I think that if he hits us with something that's a surprise, um, that uh, crypto would be the best thing to buy, right? Um, as markets begin to to find their footing again. But, you know, where they find their footing is a completely different question. Uh, I want to open it up because, um, you know, again, I, I think that it's good to open this up because I'm not, I, I provide a, a little bit of color, but I am not a macro trader. Um, for anyone who has uh, an opinion, more specifically with regard to the Fed, um, a little bit more experience, maybe interpreting their language, uh, feel free to to call in. And um, and we'll uh, have a discussion. All right, uh, cryptic fib. Someone popped up, but I lost them. I think it was uh, cryptic fib. If you want to call in again, pretty sure I selected you to to speak. And I know there's a, a lack of specifics with regard to you know what I'm anticipating the Fed saying. Um, I don't think that a lot is going to change. I don't, you know, if I'm going to bet on, if I'm a, a betting man, which I am, uh, I would say there's a 70% chance that um, Powell doesn't get specific, that we don't see markets uh, put in a position where everything's taking a hit. Uh, if Bitcoin and if, if rather he does, and we see that there is sort of a, uh, a very significant response by markets, you know, the next logical area for me to look at with Bitcoin is probably around 42 um, all right, so we have a few people talking, calling right now. Hold on one sec. Invite to speak. Make next caller. Hey, what's going on, Marathon? Can you hear me? Yeah, uh, can you hear me all right? Yeah, yeah. I can hear you. How you doing? Good. So 
I mean, if you want to chat macro, I'm a race trader professional. I just trade crypto in my PA. But um, I mean, I think for today, what you've previewed is more or less correct. I think in general, we've seen the Fed um, use vagueness as essentially a, an option for them um, to you know see how things play out because uh, clearly they don't have a great read on kind of where the data is going either. And they've missed the inflation call pretty significantly. I think you know, as long as the general tone is tightening, and especially if you see stocks kind of move off the highs in a significant way, crypto probably isn't going to outperform. But I think the thing I'm looking for as far as where they might reverse course, and um, it's basically with yield curve inversion. So, I mean, we've seen twos, tens come down to, you know, 75 basis points here. Um, but, you know, that could move. I mean, that's that's already like 40 bits lower than it was a month or two ago. Um, and, you know, we could see that move down uh, closer to flat. And when that happens, I think the hiking cycle probably takes a pause. And that's when you want to consider um, when they might reverse course. Now, uh, you know, the other thing is they're going to put out the dot plots today, um, which is probably going to be the, the big driver of the initial reaction. And, you know, yeah, they could show like three hikes this year, three hikes next year, four hikes in 24. But um you know, that's all subject to market conditions. But that, I think, you know, anything, just another thing to look at would be the dot plot for today and anything further out the curve um, that looks super hawkish probably doesn't drive a really positive initial reaction. But um, it's also unlikely that they actually get there just because of what it's actually what's going to do the yield curves. Um, and, you know, they've never in history hiked into an inverted curve. Uh, and I think, everybody should have a pretty good understanding of why that would cause a lot of problems. So, I mean, pretty bearish at the time being on the stuff further out the risk curve. Um, but, you know, when we start to see them being forced, uh, their hand being forced into potentially pausing or, uh, you know, eventually loosening, that's when I'm probably getting more aggressive. But that could take a little while, obviously. Yeah, great points. Uh, I think, obviously, the Fed, you know, they know they have to be opaque to a certain degree. Um you know, it's a lot of crypto Twitter just basically leans on the idea that the Fed can never raise rates at this point. Uh, you know, they're basically one of the, the biggest participants to be affected by raising rates versus any particular entity. Um, so, you, you know, again, great points. You're a, a rates trader, you said? Yeah, uh, I trade rates derivatives, like mainly swaps and other like option instruments around that. But um, yeah, I, I mean, they will raise rates. It's just a matter of how far they can go. I think some of the stuff like people just don't understand when they say, oh, they're printing so much money. Well, actually, they're actively cutting back the amount of money that they're printing, which is going to go to zero at the end of the first quarter. And then, um, you know, they will raise rates, but it's just a matter of how far they can take it. Yeah. Well, the, the, the trend of the last, what, 30 years has been consistently them raising rates, but lower and lower each time. Right. It's like Light's profile picture, but just for the interest rate hiking cycle. Um, yeah, you know, that's pretty much where we're at. So they won't get I mean, I, I, I would be shocked if they could get much higher than about one and a quarter to one and a half percent before things start having real issues. I mean, even you can look at what happened in kind of February, March, when the 10 year was pushing up against two percent. And, um, you know, crypto was kind of in mania, but um, the Nasdaq took a big hit. And, uh, you know, that's really I think just today I was talking to some strategy desks who were saying basically maybe 20% peak to trough on the S and P and there starts to be a little bit of pressure to rethink things from a monetary policy perspective. Um, 
And, yeah. you know, we'll hit that uh, if, if they keep pushing forward with hikes, which appears to be their plan. Um, I think they do feel a lot of political pressure now on inflation and we're probably not at peak inflation yet, but um, that could start reversing. Um, but it's, it's going to be an issue for kind of the stuff like, uh, you know, the stay at home stocks and um, some of the other stuff that got bid really, really strongly in the early part of this year. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing up today, I think, is utilities, healthcare, and then gold treasuries and uh, everything else that's further out is just kind of um, absorbing a good amount of selling. But thanks for uh, calling in, man. Great points. I mean, it's it, it makes me wonder, like, where this all sort of ends in the next few years. Um, just kind of like it feels like they've gotten themselves into a hole. Uh, and at this point, you know, digging out is going to require breaking a lot of hearts yeah. um, <laughs> but then you know they reverse it and start the game over i mean that's i just want to make sure i'm in a position of strength when they do reverse course because that's when yeah that's when you're going to get the best deals and you know take it the, the best uh time adjusted deals i guess yeah agreed yeah i yeah. i don't think uh i think one thing that's remained consistent over time has been that put eventually um and you know if anything any kind of uh any kind of negative uh wording or language or um increase in in the the i guess the rate of speed at which they do things it's better off that that occurs towards the highs than after the market is already down a considerable amount considering just perspective alone and, and how people look at uh the index as more or less a benchmark or representation of things as a whole or well-being as a whole um so it's almost like you want to just rip off a, a band-aid in the interim and and then you know that they're going to patch it up in the long run anyway yeah. Yeah. That's probably the most likely. Thanks, man. All right. Uh, Clark's intern. <laughs> See, it's good to have, I'll, I'll put you on a second, Clark. Uh, it's good to have uh, people come in that are, you know, this is their wheelhouse because like I said, uh, I think you're putting a position on Twitter, especially when you have so many people following you where, um, and, and this is one thing that I see often and it just kind of bugs the shit out of me. It's like, you'll have someone who has been a, you know, a specialist in one particular niche. And uh, when they've gained enough of an audience, suddenly they have opinion on like uh, plumbing and, and electric work and uh, macro trading and, <laughs> and basically everything. Um, so it's good to have people step in that uh, are specifically in this particular area. So Clark's intern. What you got? What's up, buddy? Hey, can you hear me? You might be on mute. Yeah, I was on mute, definitely. Uh, how are we doing? Hey, how's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. I had a question. Uh, what are your thoughts on platforms like BlockFi and Celsius? Uh, do you think they're here to stay, or are they just going to get rolled up into Goldman? Uh, I, I honestly, I don't have much of an opinion on that. Um, I, I think that they would want to get rolled into Goldman. Uh, if I was Celsius, um, I, I think that they've, uh, with Celsius in particular, I think that they've um, been received poorly as of late. Uh, but I, again, I don't have much of an opinion on them. I do not use either of them myself. Um, so, yeah, I don't have much of an opinion on them. I mean, listen, uh, traditional finance doesn't really take too well to the idea that people can achieve the kind of yield that they can in crypto. Um, 
and the yield that's that are you know that you can access through both of those platforms it's funny how uh in any kind of general market sense that's extremely attractive but peak bull market um it was probably uh one of the least considered forms of yield to gain access to considering all the other methods that you could gain access to that were just astronomical compared to to both of those uh, but i don't have a uh, particular opinion on how they will sort of navigate um the shift and what's taking place in the regulatory front as well as in the macro front uh what, what do you think You there, Clark? I think you uh, you might have muted yourself. Let me see if I could. Clark, otherwise I'll have to uh, open it up to someone else. All right, I'll let you uh, come back if you catch on. Eli's. What's up, buddy? How's it going? Oh, there we go. There we go. Okay, cool. Um, what's going on? Happy to be here. Uh, I wanted to kind of ask you, I've been kind of trying to form a thesis on this, and just, just something I've been thinking about is, like, correlation with... Um, Either with crypto to like just equities and how that kind of plays out over time. Um, so I, I ballpark, it seems like we're mostly correlated to the downside, especially. And then like, there'll be like times of decorrelation where it's like a completely different chart, but especially on the downside, but I'm just curious, like on your opinion over like a year from now, say like, how do you see the correlation changing over time and do you think it's something that's here to stay or that it'll be kind of like a cyclical thing where it'll go in and out thanks oh 100 it's here to stay and it's going to increase um you know for for uh anyone who's been in the market for a long time they'll tell you that uh the markets have become more efficient um and i think that just as and, and there's some simple reasons and some non-obvious uh reasons as well uh that the correlations will increase you know, one of the simpler reasons is that honestly, crypto was so detached from every other market, right? Even from a platform sense. Um, and if you, when I say platform sense, I mean that, you know, behavior of participants on platforms to a degree enforces correlations, whether they're inverse or positive. Uh, so the, just the fact that you were not able to, you know, be, again, for example, on like TD Ameritrade or your Charles Schwab and um, cycle between you know, let's say you're on TD and, and you think we're risk going risk off right now. You can immediately get out of your risky positions and and allocate your portfolio towards something that you would consider to be risk off. So to a degree, very simple correlations, in essence, could be enforced by that. So crypto being detached um, has sort of put speed bumps between that process and made it a less efficient process. Uh, just for the reasoning that you're having larger macro participants get involved, you're going to see more correlations as well. Um, I mean, crypto is, as you said, and when I say Bitcoin, I'm, I'm using Bitcoin as a form of synecdoche to refer to the whole of crypto, right? Um, just like, you, you know, call your car wheels, right? My set of wheels, but you're talking about car. So when, I, when I'm talking about Bitcoin, I'm really talking about everything. 
Um, you will see, obviously, the idiosyncratic behavior of lower caps take place where they'll kind of just shrug off everything, but there's not much behind them whatsoever, right? You're talking about, in some cases, like a couple hundred holders that might be not, you know, might not be responding to what's taking place in the macro. Uh, but with Bitcoin and your larger pairs that are directly correlated to Bitcoin, I think you're just going to see the correlations increase. Uh, when markets are moving up, anything that's higher beta, it doesn't necessarily have to move lock and step one for one with with um, whatever ben benchmark it's connected to, right? And the most common benchmark being the S&P. Um, and I think for a long time, a benchmark that I, you know, would index myself against in crypto would be considered um, BTC. There's obviously smarter ways to do this and to weigh an index and uh, more precisely calculate you know, what is the representation of that index, what you're trying to beat and what the rest of the market is correlated to. But uh, I think that we're absolutely going to see that as the market becomes more widely accepted, that correlations will um, increase. Uh, and just from like a, an algo enforced standpoint, you know, when you have uh, funds that are trading BTC and they're trading BTC with respect to, to equities as well, um, and, you know, they are trading headlines. They're not trading the headlines uh, with, you know, they're not trading equities in response to headlines uh, and then trading Bitcoin differently. Right. And, and these are um, more enforced by higher frequency trading activity, even though I wouldn't say that you could say that there's like high frequency trading in crypto yet to the degree that there is in uh, legacy markets. Like we don't have like microwave high frequency. It's it's like it's a uh, Nokia phone level high frequency. Um, and I'm just being facetious. Like it's, it's not nearly the, um, the kind of high frequency we see in, in legacy, but that only will get stronger, especially as like you have, when you have like big banks getting involved in crypto, that's when, and I've made a joke about this before, that's when it's like over, right? Not over, but if you're a trader that gets away with trading very rudimentary systems and uh just if you're like just a ta trader you're probably going to have a tough time right um so i think that there is no reality uh that where crypto the crypto correlation um decreases um if anything what you could see is that it's uh there is still like a even with bitcoin there's like a slight lag at times but it's negligible to whether or not you'll be able to take advantage of that, of that, where you could eyeball the difference by looking at how the S&P is responding and one, interpreting that not as noise and as a directional signal and then therefore taking the same trade or, or using the S&P as proxy in that case. But I would say that moving forward, um, it's just going to get more correlated. And I, you know, there's, that's, again, this kind of like is a pie in the face of some of the narrative. Um, but it's just not, that's not a, not a reality that crypto is going to kind of do its own thing. Do its own thing is a matter of our performance versus like breaking free of, of, uh, global markets and moving to its own, you know, moving to its own beat. Um, as long as it's, uh, what I think is it characterized as a risk asset, um, it should underperform to the downside, right? Bounce, bounce the hardest underperform to the downside, rather, you know, have more downside capture, um, then everything else that is, you know, uh, more closely related to the index or of lower beta. Um, does this make sense? I, I think, you know, the, the point of it all is just to summarize, it's only going to become more correlated.
Yeah, totally. And that's kind of where I've like uh, been leaning towards. Like any risk, I, like risk is going to be correlated generally. I think. Um, well, I mean, obviously it has been, but uh, yeah. So I just wanted to hear your kind of thoughts on it. Thanks. Yeah, and, and just to add to that, the only time when there's a lot of uh, narratives that do sort of aid in the reflexivity of Bitcoin in particular and crypto as a whole, uh, you know, when when we see that there is, you know, Bitcoin does respond like, and there's a, David Bell kind of had a uh, um, tongue-in-cheek response about people calling Bitcoin a macro asset. Well, by that, just meaning that it responds to Powell's comments, you know, it responds to any kind of, um, it responds the same way to any kind of interest rate talks that, that the equities do, for example. So macro just being a matter of it having more penetration uh, and being more on the global stage than just being this kind of like completely idiosyncratic, uh, unaffected asset that maybe it was, um, you know, years ago. Um, there are times, though, when and it's 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 the time when you see more dispersion and more sort of independent relationships occur across all assets when it does its own thing and it kind of rides the narrative for a short period of time. And and that's only when equities are saying, I, I my opinion, um, and I think that it's empirically, you know, it's, it's based on some empirical data that um, the time that it's able to do its own thing and ride a narrative and uh, play the sort of, um, you know, uh, hedge against inflation, whatever, you know, color you want to provide at that time for what story you want to tell yourself other than it being a risk asset is when risk assets are, they have a green light, when everything is cool, when the VIX is, you know, not elevated. I, I talk about one of the ways that I just look at Bitcoin is it's not going to bottom until the VIX is, is uh, you know, we see that the, the VIX is back down. Uh, we don't see Bitcoin bottoming on a rising VIX. Um, the only other time that we had that happen was during pullback in 2020 on the run up. Um, and equities are moving up as the VIX is moving up as well. Uh, whereas in the past, that relationship was more of, you know, VIX moving up means that we are looking at a declining equity market. Whereas, you know, more locally in this regime, we've seen that the VIX is, the equities have gone up on a rising VIX. Um, yeah, so hopefully uh, that's all digestible. All right. Um, Cubone, what's up, buddy? Hey, what's up? Hey, what's up? Hey, sorry, I was trying to get the uh, thing unmuted. Um, hey, so a quick question about. Um, also, by the way, I got uh, a copy of Alpha Trader. Just came in yesterday, so um, thanks for the uh, recommendation. There's a lot of really good stuff in there, just from flipping through it. So hopefully, I'll be able to dive in some more over the uh, holiday break. Um, so, uh, I'm wanting to know about, um, so, uh, for my back, I think we talked about this last time, but basically my background is, you know, I'm a retail trader, been trading for about a year. I'm just now getting to the point where, you know, I'm profitable and, and starting to get traction. Um, I'm trading on, you know, like Delta exchange, FTX, um, you know, and they're, they're decent platforms, but I was wondering about, um, I guess in silico terminal and other stuff that could help out with like order execution. Um, I guess more on the technical side, anything that you could recommend that would give a retail trader, uh, some edge when it comes to the technical side. Um, yeah. So one thing about crypto is the, like the, from an, ex just 
front-facing exchange standpoint, um, the user interface, the uh, even the order execution types that are available on the crypto exchanges, they're, I mean, I don't want to, you know, I'm partners with Femex, um, but as a whole, crypto exchanges compared to even what is available to legacy retail participants is completely handicapped. Um, and for a while, I wondered if this was like purposeful, you know, not even giving you some basic order execution type so that you couldn't, um, you couldn't even stand a chance. But, um, you know, needless to say, crypto market is up tremendously. So it's not like people hurt too badly from not having them. But the native crypto platform. So, for example, you said you're trading on FTX um, in Silico Terminal. So order execution through API through in Silico Terminal is has less latency than trading directly through FTX, right? So going onto the web page, trading through them. So if you access it through in Silico Terminal, if you access it through, um, for example, Bookmap, if you access it through Quant Tower, all of these platforms will actually offer you faster execution, uh, even though you're connected to the exchange. Um, so I, and this was like a major point of contention of mine coming to crypto is the one, the exchange fragmentation. So it's not like, you know, you're trading on the CME, you're trading through the CME. Uh, and if you're using a piece of trading software, you know, you might want to use, you know, I was using trading technologies. Uh, you could use, um, uh, what's it called? Um, Jigsaw. You could use, I'm trying to think of the other one right now, but it's another really popular one. Um, uh, but with crypto, everything is separated. Um, everything is, uh, pretty basic. Um, accessing through the platforms is slow, in my experience, especially on FTX. Uh, it's it's very odd how, I mean, it's not odd when you consider kind of who you're trading against, um, wink, wink. But when you execute a market order, there's like a very obvious lag and adjustment that I am pretty sure takes place. Um, and I, I, you know, I know I'm giving sort of an anecdotal point of view, but it's been pretty consistent and I've been using it for a really long time. So using third-party software, uh, again, and Silico is a great piece of software. I, I say, as a, you know, I said this recently, if something is free, uh, and this goes to Robinhood, this goes to a lot of things that also are available to retail and traditional markets. If something is free uh, and there is no product, so to speak, that you're paying for, then you're probably the product. So what are what is taking place with the terminal right maybe they're contracted with somebody who is taking that flow and and doing something with it um you know i don't know what i have to say about that but order execution wise gaining an edge uh can be found through just operating off exchange so just operating through again i, I named a couple platforms that will give you a, an edge in terms of speed and uh again like i said uh, in edge in terms of what kind of even sim as simple as some basic order execution types, you know, you know, on most exchanges, you have like a good till cancel, you have a, you know, stop order, limit orders, and that's it. Um, if you go on to any professional trading platform, like if you come from a prop background, you know, this, there are tons of different, uh, time and force, um, you know, whether you're using bracket orders, uh, auto spreader, none, nothing is available on crypto exchanges on, on just their native web platform. Um, so yeah, you would have an edge if you had access to these. That's my opinion. Um, and uh, and you can see this very simply by just trading through any one of these other platforms. For example, on Insilico, you know he has uh, they have a TWAP, right? So 
the market is thick enough and conditions permit, um, using a TWAP can be great. Uh, they have a limit chase. Right? So this, um, this automatically does the work that you would have to manually do. So as you can imagine, if you're a point-and-click trader, you know, you're using bandwidth to just move your mouse from point A to point B and to process all of this uh, in a quick fashion, right? Or rather to execute all of this in a quick fashion. So, yeah, I would, you know, I would, I would definitely not be trading on, I don't trade through any exchanges. Um, the only exchange through that I trade through, like on the platform, is uh, through my spot. And the me getting into spot positions, like I've been out of spot now since right around 60K, uh, I know that the times that I'm going to get involved are kind of few and far between, especially if we're more or less in limbo and, and in the middle of um, two pretty significant levels. I'm, I'm waiting for a lot to happen, and I don't think it's going to happen in the near future. Um, and just painting a hypo, right? Uh, my spot positions are... I guess the best way I could put it is they are low time preference. So I'm, I'm not really worried about like whether or not I, I get in my spot position uh, at, uh, you know, 50, um, you know, 50 milliseconds or 200. You know, I, I'm not worried about the speed in, in the moment that I'm actually clicking to execute the trade. Uh, if you're an intraday trader, all of that stuff, um, all that stuff is an edge, right? Having access to, the actual, whether it's different execution types, um, whether it is to just the faster platform, right? All of that is an edge, right? As a manual trader, right? As a manual discretionary trader. Um, so yeah, I would, I would experiment on as many different platforms as you can, because that's what I've been doing. Like it, that's the one thing that was a, that really bothered me about crypto. I, you know, I will say that, um, there are definitely edges that are prevalent in the market due to the, the exchange fragmentation, uh, but it becomes a pain in the ass, right? Especially if you're someone who focuses on flow and positioning. Higher time frame positioning uh, or just larger scale positioning, I think is easier to glean. Um, whereas if you're an intraday trader, it's like, okay, uh, you have to know what exchanges are relevant, uh, what exchanges are going to have the most impact uh, within your you know, lower time frame period, what exchanges you should be focusing on for open interest. Um, you know, you'll see a lot of these exchanges are tied together either way through bot activity, but yeah, it is a pain in the ass. And then finding the right platform to execute through because, you know, in, in crypto, since it's so new, there's a lot of opportunity for, for, uh, people to come together, entrepreneurs to come together and create platforms. You know, I've seen 20 different platforms come out, uh, with respect to paying attention to things like, you know, just order flow activity, um, in the last year. And some look great and some, you know, they look great uh, and it's a matter of form for them. But when it comes to function, they're shit. Um, so I, I would, yeah, I would, I would get off the exchange, try to uh, use as many of these as possible and see which one works for you. But I will say that as a whole, like, I'm, you know, just very confident saying it's better to be trading through something off of the, the you know, the web page, for example, FTX.com um, for FTX specifically. I, I, you know, that is, it's so obvious, right? Um, just the speed difference alone. Does that uh, add up for you? Yeah, that's perfect. Thanks a lot. Um, and yeah, I've noticed that too. And I'm not even trading on size, but it's just like, I can never get filled. Market buys are always really slippery. It's just really, it's a hot mess. But yeah, that's really helpful. I appreciate it, man. Oh, and, and you know what? It's funny because on FTX, it's, uh, and this is obviously not, you don't want to just take this and run with it. But on FTX, 
when I get filled really easily, I'm like, oh, adverse selection. Like I am definitely not supposed to be filled for that order. <laughs> I have the direction wrong on this one. Um, and, and again, that, that could be just purely anecdotal on my part, but uh, in my experience, it, it is the case that FTX is, is a little odd with respect to everybody else. Uh, haven't had a problem in terms of latency on other platforms uh, where it's a problem, but um, they all can be improved upon by trading off of the actual exchange. And yeah, you know, coming from if you if anyone has traded through the CME, uh, whether they traded um, equity futures contracts, whether they traded commodity futures, uh, it is very different, right? Especially if you're a person who looks at the tape and looks at a ladder, you know, you're looking at everything, right? Versus Again, if you're just getting involved and starting to trade lower timeframes more and taking more of a, you know, a flow sort of tape, um, taking that, that method up, it's like, all right, am I paying attention to even the relevant information, right? Because I know that there's, you know, multiple exchanges that are responsible for, for price discovery. So, yeah, I would, I would experiment with all the platforms you can. If you have any questions with regards to specifics, just hit me up in a DM and I'll, um, I'll you know, give you a bunch of uh, options and tell you the ones that work for me and tell you the ones that uh, different in a less public setting or tell you the ones that did not. <laughs> All right. Um, Schmeckles. How's it going, buddy? Good. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Cool. Awesome. Uh, yeah, Ryan, I just wanted to touch on something. I was actually um, in the thread with you and, and, and Toshi on when he was talking about, uh, you know, retail banks and how they're kind of tightening up and things like that. I, I work actually on the uh, retail lending side of a major bank. Um, we handle a lot of the mortgage securities, like selling those to Fannie, Freddie, Jenny. Um, and so I, I just wanted to kind of comment on that because I, I actually didn't, we're not seeing anything um, sort of like what Pentoshi was, was talking about on the tightening side, we're actually seeing the opposite. So um, I have, you know, given that we sell the securities, we have quite a bit of connections across banks, you know, other other major banks. Um, and so I know a lot of them are, are actually in sort of a similar boat, but where the bank is actually so flush with cash at the moment that we are, it's almost getting to where the banks are a little experimental. Um, and I don't mean that as in they're taking that cash and, and buying Bitcoin because that's not what's happening. Um, but they're they're using that to sort of incentivize, um, you know, new, whether it's home mortgages, um, you know, offering rate discounts or offering um, upfront uh, help with the down payments, that sort of thing. And, and where I'm getting with this is that we saw an issue prior to COVID even with the rate hikes where there's just not enough people uh, on the back end buying the, the mortgage-backed securities. Um, and so the Fed was sort of forced to step in in that case. And it seems like with these, it, it got even worse over COVID. Um, and that's where it, I think it's kind of a unique spot because I don't think the Fed can go too far away from it now because there's just no demand um, on the other end. And so with, you know, when you have the government agency, the GSEs, they're holding on to these securities for too long. Um, it, it plugs up the whole housing market. So uh, I think it's I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they play this out. Um, and it kind of plays into what Marathon was saying earlier is it's, you know, in the short term, we might see some they're going to have to raise rates a little bit. Um, but how long they can do that and how long, you know, if demand doesn't pick up um, on especially on our side with the mortgage securities, then it's going to be a sticky situation. They're going to have to step back in 
um, and, and start buying and, and that sort of thing. So I just thought, uh, like I said, that was an interesting point. I was, I'm kind of I'm wondering who Pintoshi was was hearing that from, because like I said, we're just we're really just not seeing that. We're actually we got clobbered with the labor shortage um, and, and we're paying kind of crazy rates, really, to, to hire new people on. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know whether or not like, you know, having a friend who works at a bank and using that as a reference is, you know, I don't want to say it's just pure conjecture on the friend's part, but it's, it's definitely, you know, it goes to the concept of plural of anecdote is not data, you know, like having one person giving feedback doesn't speak to the whole of the market. Um, you know, I, because you know, I talked to him in DM after, uh, and I have friends that work, you know, a couple of friends that work for, you know, bulge bracket banks, some of the top five banks. And like I said, you know, if you go to like more institutional level, Goldman and JPM uh, announcing bonus increases. Um, there's a lot of hiring that I've heard of uh, at retail banks. Um, there's a shifting that's taking place, obviously, as banks become more digitalized. Uh, so, I, you know, I didn't know what to make of his um, his response and, and whether or not to really put much thought into it. Um, but again, you know, my, his opinion is from one person's perspective. And then I have a, a few other people's perspectives and I haven't been in that particular industry in a long time. Uh, so who knows? Um, you know, as you said, I, and as marathon said as well, uh, I think the fed is in a position where they kind of have to, they have to, uh, do something more or less. I think it's more or less to just prove that they did something, but I don't think that it, it, it's something that they could do in a lasting fashion. Um, and I, I think we're just in, it's a really, I've been, I think the last two years have sort of been like a fun house in terms of everything that's taken place, not a fun house necessarily, but just very uh, alternate universe type of stuff in markets and in society. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't know what the end game is. Everything that I say is, is, at, at this point, everything I say is conjecture because you'd be completely wrong in, in a very different place six months from now. Um, but I mean, if history is anything, rates have been raised in the past and the trend is down and the Fed that has, you know, the Fed put has been consistent. Uh, so how much bleeding they allow to occur, you know, it's who knows, right? Um, my long-term outlook for, for crypto as a whole, for equity markets as a whole is, you know, if you were just say you're only allowed to get involved uh, in one trade and it's five years from now, do you want to be long now until then? Or do you want to be short? And I, I just say long, right? Right. Uh, that makes total sense. And that's, I, I guess my point was, was less on um, what, you know, Pintoshi's friends thing, but more along the lines of this maybe as a pressure point that, I don't think a lot of people see that the Fed has, and I, I agree with you. I think it's it seems more like they're trying to do something to say they did something, but but that's probably yeah. No, it's a, like I said, it's this is a. I feel like every generation has uh, every generation has a revolution, and at every decade we have something that is extreme. You know, seems like it's extremely pertinent, and no one has an answer for. And um, we've gotten through every single one in the past. Obviously, QE is relatively new but uh i really you know again it's my best guess at this point that's why the the best thing i could say and i've been saying to everybody is i'm just deferring to the wisdom of the crowds at this point when the market responds you know what we're doing two days after uh i'm not going to fade that i do think um i i do think there's a lot of froth 
in crypto that we've seen. Uh, I think a lot of that probably has been worked out, but I, I'm, you know, I'm not writing off the possibility of, of downside in markets, but at the same time, like I want to make sure that I have a pretty clear long-term outlook. Uh, but again, this is, it's a really weird place that the Fed's got itself into. Um, and may, you know, maybe we have a much bigger change that's upon us, right? If anything, like, now I don't want to get too far into it, but you know, the, just the idea of the United States, the empire that the United States has had, you know, empires on average last what, like 200 years, maybe bigger changes are upon us, right? Um, who knows? Maybe a solar flare would take us out. <laughs> Does anyone want to uh, call in and comment? Schmack, I don't know if you were, uh, if you're still there. Just give it a second. I mean, it looks like it looks like the market is uh, just at least from an option standpoint. Skew hasn't changed much. Um, longer dated skews came back up more recently, but yeah, I don't know. The market as a whole seems pretty bearish, at least from a sentiment standpoint. Looking at uh, whether we're looking at some of the longer dated tenors, um, you know, I don't focus too much on linear futures contracts. Uh, but looking at just 25 delta skew, 35 delta skew right now, um, 30 day, 60 day, 180 day. Not much has changed. Funding starting to be a little bit more negative recently, but as a whole in aggregate for this entire range, more positive or more neutral to positive. So we'll see. I mean, we have we have an hour left before if not clarity, volatility. That is the one thing that uh, gets very tiring is when there's a lot of positioning in advance leading right up to this, uh, it's always a boring period because the market is more or less just waiting for the Fed to show its hand. Anyone else want to call in? Please feel free if you want to talk about anything. I wanted to leave this one open, just talk a little bit about the FOMC. Otherwise, we'll wrap it up. I've been on for an hour. Just because this was sort of on the agenda, I wanted to make it, um, you know, this the sort of title subject matter, but in the future, uh, this is going to be more with regard to what's taking place within the crypto market. Obviously, there are now that crypto is trading more and more in line with uh, legacy and, and uh, as I've said, you know, macro assets or things that trade, um, things that trade with respect to changes in Fed policy. And it's just a weird, it's a weird term to use. And, and Bell said it because 
calling it a macro asset sounds kind of funny, but I think everyone kind of knows what that means or what we mean by that with respect to how it's changed over the last few years. Um, but it's going to be really important to sort of have an ear to the ground um, when we have any kind of FOMC meeting, when we have any kind of change with regards to policy. Uh, as we move forward, like I said, the correlation is going to be stronger. Crypto is going to trade more in line with, um, again, more in line with uh, with legacy. So there are going to be a few times when it's important to talk about um, these events, right? But after this, I mean, we're going to just, I want to just get back to talking specifically about uh, things that are within the crypto market rather than outside of an influencing. Can't tell if you guys are still here because Oh, it says, okay, still live. So this is my second one in this platform. I'm just starting to get used to um, doing these call-ins. It is different, right? Like I do, you know, once in a while I hop on the live streams. Uh, at that, you know, doing the live stream a little bit more oriented before doing it. I want to leave these somewhat open, uh, but not open to the point where I, you know, start talking and, as I said, get too open-ended, talking in ellipses, uh, talking too much. But I wanted to give these uh, basically to you guys so that if you wanted to ask questions and, you know, now's the time for, again, I know this one was labeled uh, countdown to FOMC, but um, these will be very good. Like I said, for all of the people that direct message me and, you know, that, that I find difficult to get back to uh, in a timely manner. And it does, you know, it is kind of overwhelming having a lot of followers, to be honest. Um, I was a trader well before I was a popular person on Twitter. Um, and I sort of related it to the, the Dunbar limit, having that many followers, like it's, it's very difficult to, it's very difficult to keep up. Right. So at least with this, it's like, okay, I'm giving a time and place. You don't have an excuse now, unless you don't have an iPhone um, to show up and ask the questions that you've been, you know, asking in my DMS now for some time. Anyone else? If not, we will uh, we'll wrap it up. All right. Well, that'll be it then. Uh, thank you for the few of you that decided to participate. Um, I know maybe this is not the most interesting subject for everybody, uh, especially to, you know, you know, for there's a lot of sort of in crypto, there's a, a lot of people that are new to markets as a whole. Um, so I get that. Uh, every day is kind of a learning process, but even for myself, it's great because I, I am, like I said, I'm not a macro trader. Uh, I like to, you know, I like to hear others and have them provide macro color. And, you know, especially for those that are still doing this for a living, um, whether that's, you know, meaning from an institutional standpoint, uh, but otherwise we'll wrap it up. I wish you guys well. And I will schedule another another one of these for mid next week and try to keep that more with regard to uh, maybe people are more interested in talking about just uh, price. Uh, all right, guys. Stay smart. Stay safe. Uh, and until next time, enjoy your week.